Welcome to the Bad Roman Podcast. On this show, we talk with veterans, community leaders, Christians, and non-Christians as we explore the entanglement of Christians with the state. The Bad Roman Project was created out of the firm belief that as Christians, we are called to follow Christ, not the state. Here is your host, Craig Hargis. Hey, folks. Are y'all sick of talking about COVID? I'm not. I hope this conversation continues for years to come. Just for the simple fact, I hope folks never forget the terrorism inflicted on peaceful human beings by governments across the globe in the name of so-called safety. Today, I have author Jeffrey Hand on the show to talk about his book, COVID-19, Short Path to You'll Own Nothing and You'll Be Happy. Welcome to the New Age of Tyranny. Would you rather serve God than serve Caesar? You know me? I'm just trying to live what he said. I'm just trying to live. Jeffrey, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me on. I got connected to you from a mutual friend, Paul Perial, who I completely adore. This guy has been become one of my favorite people to chat with. I've had him on the show before and plan on getting back on the show to talk about some more stuff. The guy is super intelligent. I have a ton of respect for that man. And he connected me with you, asked me if I'd be interested in um, having you on the show to talk about your new book. And I was like, absolutely. I can't get enough of this stuff. And, you know, and the, and the book is full of so much information. You know, you sent me the transcript kind of to study before this and I ended up buying the book myself and I've been, I appreciate it. I'm not that far into it, but I, uh, I have been reading it when I get a chance and it's fascinating. You know, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to finish the book because like I said, there's so much information with, with, with what you sent me before and what I was reading. I was like, I'm going to get the book. I want this on hand because there's, it's got so many different things that people need to remember the next time, the next thing when it comes up. But before we get into that, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? You're in, in the book. You talk about, um, you say that this book was 10 years in the making yeah, and you've got a pretty fascinating background. If you don't mind, just tell us a little bit about that and then we'll get into the book. Absolutely. I mean, and I think it goes back even to like my high school days. Like I got into going to the rave scene when I was growing up in Orlando, Florida. And I got, you know, the whole, the rave scene is all about like peace, love and unity and respect, which is similar to the idea of like anarchism. I mean, not, you know, anarchism is just without rulers, but kind of in those same, same vein of, not the politicians, not the left and right. I kind of was in that middle ground. Um, got into computers pretty heavily. Uh, ended up going into the military and uh, going infantry initially and then did cyber intelligence after that. So I got introduced in the military for years. Uh, got out, started working as uh, an analyst, um, uh, analyzing uh, political laws, things like that. Um, developing software. So I'm a, I'm a solutions analyst right now and now an author. And uh, pretty much, you know, just kind of going through my life, learning as much as I can. And I always felt like, you know, something was coming, something big was going to happen. Um, you know, I never really fit within the politi- uh, political you know, landscape. I always hated the far, far left because they were just, you know, seemed crazy. But I didn't like the far right either. And um, I always, always found that middle ground. Ended up finding libertarianism, kind of got into that for a little bit. Uh, 2012 rolled around and the GOP, you know, screwed over Ron Paul in the 2012 election. And I had friends who were um, there when it happened and they saw firsthand how they threw away votes and, you know, changed the rules on the floor to screw over Ron Paul. And then they handed the nomination to Romney. So from that, that point, I realized that, you know, okay, yeah, you know, that whole landscape is corrupt. 
And then, you know, 2016 rolls around and they do the same thing for the DNC and they hand um, uh, uh, Bernie Sanders nomination because he should have been the nominee and they handed it to Clinton. And then, of course, the DNC leak happened, which they blamed on Russian Russian interference when really it was um, Seth Rich, who was a DNC staffer working for the voting, and he released it to WikiLeaks. Well, at least this is my conspiracy theory on it, is that he actually released it to uh, WikiLeaks, and then he was murdered and shot in the back in it with the police called a botched robbery, even though nothing was taken from him. It was three in the morning, he was by himself, and it was like in his neighborhood and near his house and he was shot in the back. So, uh, and then like a week later, you know, Clinton used his death to push gun control. And then of course they were like, oh, this is, you know, the DNC leak is Russian interference. And then they pushed that whole thing. Um, and of course, you know, spun up against, you know, Trump and Clinton and then, you know, Trump wins it. And then, you know, just you know, more tyranny and stuff like that. So I actually, in 2015, learned the Trivium Method of Critical Thinking, which is a proper way to think critically as a skill set. And it's using grammar, logic, and rhetoric in order. So you have to have grammar, which is your objective and subjective truths. you got to be able to separate both and distinguish both. you got to have your root definitions for words, because words are very important on in any regard. You have to understand the actual root definition of it, the theme and context behind it, and how it's evolved over time. Because how words are used today is vastly different than how what they really mean. Like the idea of terrorism. This is just one example where people think, you know, terrorism is some guy in a, you know, a cave somewhere overseas when really the root definition of terrorism came from government intimidation against the po its populace. And it came from uh, the French when they were terrorizing during the reign of terror, terrorizing their citizens. And that's where terrorism comes from. It's actually government action against the populace. So it's just one of those things of how words have changed. And so you need to understand um, that. So grammar is all about gathering that body of knowledge and understanding a solid foundation of all of your information and you got, you know, being able to uh, figure out all of it um, and where it is. Then you move to logic. Logic is all about removing your personal held biases or logical fallacies because everyone has them, your inherent contradictions, all of those things everyone has. So you have to be able to look at yourself first, distinguish those, separate and fix those and fix other people's. Uh, logical fallacies because you're using other people's information as well. And so you have to be able to parse that. Once you are able to do that, then you can actually produce a truthful rhetoric. So I learned the trivia method of critical thinking, started researching, you know, root definitions. I was, it was like a passion. Like I was addicted to relearning the education I was taught, you know, since grade, you know, you know, first grade kindergarten. And I started using it against climate change. In 2015, started researching climate change, asking, what if we are being lied to? That uh, finding out all about that, how, you know, CO2 wasn't the main thing. And that quickly led me into basically anarchism. And so I quickly became an anarchist uh, after learning the trivium. And I started to write articles to fix my own personal rhetoric. So my very first article was why taxation is theft. So I, I wrote that article and it progressed into, you know, a bunch of different, I think I've done about 12 different articles. Um, and I <clears throat> post mostly on Instagram and I was posting news and, you know, just different political topics. And I wrote an article in 2019 on vaccines. It was my first introduction into the vaccine industry. And I wrote the, wrote that article uh, and mainly focused around MMR 
um, and the measles vaccine. Because remember in 2019, that's when that big scare was going around. And everyone was like, oh, no, measles, we're all going to die and things like that. So I wrote my vaccine article. And then come December of 2019, COVID happened. And that narrative just stuck out as, you know, it was slightly different than all the other narratives, you know, over the past decade. So from there, I just kept reporting on it. And by May of 2020, uh, I wrote another, it was a 15,000 word article on COVID and just everything I could find on it and found out that basically Bill Gates was behind every single business, you know, uh, uh, statistic modeling, everything dealing with masks, the vaccines, COVID, like everything, everywhere you look, he was involved prior to it ever happening. And so I wrote that article. And then in 2022, last year in April, I released a 19,000 word report on COVID. And about a month after that, I was like, you know what, I should just write a book. And so I spent about eight months, nine months writing this, you know, 102,000 word uh, book with, and I have about 181 references total, and about 140 of them are published journal studies. And I use that as my, my guide through this entire book. And I walk the readers through the first chapter, basically critical thinking, just kind of what it is, not really teaching people how to critically think, but just to understand the process. And then so that they can ask these questions, because you have to be able to ask hard questions on what happens if we are being lied to? What happens if we are being taken advantage of and being manipulated? <clears throat> so then I go from that. And then my next chapter, I talk about trusting government. And that's a big one because you have to have a healthy distrust of government to be able to understand all of everything. Because if you want to know where we are going in the future, you have to know where we are standing right now today and how our reality is currently made up and what's going on. And if you don't understand all of that, you won't be able to understand really what the future really and truly holds for us. And so my book is that process of going from critical thinking, trusting government. And then I talk about, you know, propaganda, engineered consent. And then I finally get into COVID, VARS, you know, the vaccines, um, different alternatives. And finally, I talk about the future and, and where I can potentially see us going. Because again, the future has a bunch of different possibilities. And we only know so much information because most of my stuff is all open source information. And so that's that's my my whole my whole book is just that that focus of trying to get people to truly understand where we are and to think about it philosophically about the different possibilities of our future and where we're heading, because it's going to get so much worse. Like it's it, it's not over. There's going to be more pandemics. I mean, look at over the last you know month. We've had that the Ohio train derailment. There's been like five other major toxic spills and going into the water supplies. And I'm like, these are all, I mean, you could say they're coincidences, but when does a coincidence no longer become a coincidence? And you can just see these, these very progressions that they are poisoning the water supply, poisoning the air, poisoning our food, because they want to push us away into those, what they now are calling these 15 minute cities, these smart cities. And they're trying to then funnel us towards that. And I, in my book, I talk about why that's happening and the overarching goal, you know, 10, 20 years down the road. We, we can start here, too. Let's just, you know, start with you mentioned critical thinking. I don't know if you're familiar with Carrie Baldwin. I've had her on the show a few times and she's she does a course on, on critical thinking. She's she's very she's very uh, Carrie's got it going on. She, she knows her stuff about this and she teaches uh, she, she does courses to teach people, you know, how to critically think. And it's 
I think it's a good idea to uh, for her to be doing you know, for for people to understand that. And then, but in chapter two of this book, I want to start here. It's titled "Trusting Government," and I, I told you before we started recording. I said that was the part. You know, when the, all this started, I didn't buy the narrative. I was like, "It's flu season. What is going on with you people? What are you? Why are you freaking out right now about this stuff?" You know, and, but the, the how easy it was for the government to brainwash people into this to, to believe in it was was fascinating to me. And I felt like you know, I don't know where where you where what it's like where you're at, but you know, in Tennessee where I live. The, the majority of the state's pretty conservative, right? And they don't, but they still, they're still statist, you know, you know what I mean? But they, but I live outside of Memphis and this is that blue spot in Tennessee that is super liberal and people were crazy around here. I had to get out of Shelby County. Like I bought a house outside of because Memphis is in Shelby County. I had to, I was like, somebody tagged me in something on, on Facebook about, um, an art, somebody wrote something where the, the Tennessee or the, I'm sorry, the Memphis health department was going to start tracking where you've been when you come to a restaurant and this and that. I was like, I got to get out of here. Yep. I got to get out of this County. I said, I'm, I can't, they're going to make me crazy. I can't live in this, ca- in this County any longer. So I got, I found me a real dress and she goes, where do you want? I said, just get me out of Shelby County. Right. <laughs> and so I moved out, you know, out to Fayette County, which is, it's, it's more, you know, slower pace to my liking, you know, and people are a lot kinder out here. But, but yeah, but Memphis is, man, after my brother passed away, when my brother passed away, I got back to Memphis. I had a doctor's appointment that Monday and I'd already I had to find a new doctor because I was I can't wear a mask. I'm highly claustrophobic. So I was having to fight that stuff, you know, and I and I and so my my original doctor was like, no, you got to wear a mask when you come here. I was like, well, I'm going to find a different doctor. I said, I can't do it. She goes, well, there's nothing in your in your records about you being claustrophobic. I, I said, I've never had to explain it to anybody before. Right. Masks didn't come up. I, I have the same thing. I had I had a um a, a medical exemption for masks. And, you know, about 50 percent of the time people accepted it. Other times people were like, no, you still have to wear one or, you know, things like that. But I get it. It was like, well, why didn't you have this before? And you're like, well, I never had to wear masks all the time or I was never, you know, forced to or things like that. So for the most part, I, I stopped wearing, I didn't wear masks. Um, it was really, I tried initially like just to, to get through. And then I was like, nope, it lasted about like two trips into a store. And I was like, not a chance I'm done. Well, you know, I, when I got back after TJ passed away, I had a that doctor's appointment. I found this new doctor, and they said, "No, you're fine. You don't have to wear a mask. We're wearing ours to protect us," and, and, and which was whatever. And I'm sitting there in the lobby, and there's another guy in there with him. I'm waiting, you know, to be seen. He's all, he's got a mask on. He's fooling with it. He's sick of it. You can tell. He just finally just pulls it below his chin. I'm just sitting there. Well, I'm, I'm just kind of giggling, you know, to myself and about it and watching TV. This lady walks out. She just got done seen by the doctor. And I can see her out of the corner of my eye, and she's staring at me. She's looking at him, too. You know, he's not wearing his mask properly, right? So she acts like she's leaving, and she turns a corner and goes to the front desk, and she says, I'm going to have to report this. I don't know why they think they can sit in here uh, without wearing a mask. And the front, the receptionist, knew I felt sorry for the girl because she was giving her all kinds of hell about it. And then she didn't say anything to me at first, and she was walking out the door, and I'm just I'm not paying her any attention. I'm still watching TV, and she hooks her arm, comes back in, she goes, sir, I don't know why you think you can sit here without a mask on. You're, you're endangering everybody's lives. And she goes, it says right here on the front door that you should, you have to wear a mask. And I'm listening to her. I'm just glaring. I'm, I'm, I mean, I listen, dude. I just got home from after my yeah. brother passed away. I was not in a good state of mind anyway, <laughs> yeah. first of all. And I didn't need this garbage coming at me at that time. And I'm listening to her. And I, I let her finish. And I said, listen, not that it's any of your business, but – 
I can't wear one. I'm severely claustrophobic, highly claustrophobic. I can't wear a mask. My doctor knows it. The nurses know it. The front desk knows it. Now, mind your business. Yep. And she goes, well, let's just hope that's true. You know, and, and my doctor tried to. She goes, it's the first time I'd seen her. She goes, she tried to get me to wear a face shield. And she and she put it. I was like, I was like, listen, you don't understand. The proximity to that to my face freaks me out. You know, like I was talking about this microphone. I don't even like it in my face. It, it, it bothers me. But, you know, and, and when my doctor saw that, she goes, oh, you are you are severely claustrophobic. And she wrote me a note and I've been, I've still got that note in my wallet, you know, but I don't need it, you know, to this day, but I still got it. But I had to go through it with work too. Cause you know, work started trying to get everybody to wear them. I had to get her to fill out some paperwork for me. So he cannot, they're like, well, how long has this been going on? And my dog's like lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's crazy because I mean, when you actually look at mass, they don't actually do anything. There is no medical reason. And one of my chapters is on mass. And I go through a bunch of different um, published studies showing that that especially cloth cloth does absolutely nothing. I mean, even even surgical masks, which should only be used during surgery in a clean room, uh, that the studies even show that when you take large samples of data samples, there is no statistical difference between wearing a mask and not wearing a mask. And again, that's really just when you have someone cut open and you, you don't want to sneeze into them. I get it to an extent, you know, like that, that there, at least you're, 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 you're in a clean room and you potentially sneeze on uh, a subject and might get them infected because they are in a very vulnerable state. So that's a very limited time, but even those masks, they're getting changed out every 45 minutes. Now, when you're in a contaminated environment, which is everywhere else, every store, your car, your home, you have to consider them contaminated. Protecting other people is not how that thing, how work, how it works. You know, like I'm responsible for my health. You're responsible for your health. You're not responsible for my health because that's, that would be more like a service, like a doctor who is, you know, that's their job to be responsible in a, in a specific situation. But like cloth masks, cloth masks have never been used in that type of in this type of setting, except during a previous pandemic for like the Spanish flu. And again, there's no any real study of using people being sick and seeing if they get sick and things like that. No, those masks do not work. So you have to have a properly rated mask and it has to be sealed properly. And those things aren't happening when someone puts on a cloth mask. Chances are they've been using it for weeks. They've never washed it. And they're, they're, you know, they're just breathing in whatever that thing gets caught. And again, after 30 minutes of you walking around, breathing through it, it's pretty much contaminated. If you touch a surface, a doorknob, and then you touch your mask, your mask should be considered contaminated and you shouldn't be using it anymore. Even um, like N95 masks, those aren't actually rated for COVID. So for you, when you when there are people are handing you like uh, surgical masks in stores, if you actually read those boxes, the boxes say that they do absolutely nothing for COVID, that they're not rated for COVID, they don't work for COVID, but people keep using them because the government says so. And really, where that all comes from is there is a uh, the um, University of Washington Institute for Health and Metrics and Evaluation. That it's an independent research institute, primarily funded by the Gates Foundation. 
And they were the ones in April and June of 2020 uh, producing statistical modeling saying if we had 95% mask usage, we could save like 30,000 people. And then uh, the Trump administration started pushing those statistics as accurate. And then that's when all the states started pushing, you know, oh, we got to we got to use masks, you know, and enforce it. But people ignore that, you know, Do- uh, Fauci it, at the beginning of everything said, no, don't wear masks because they're not they that's not how they should be used. Only healthcare people should be using them and only properly rated ones. And then he changed his tune once China's uh, uh, head of the CDC came out and was like, hey, you need to start wearing masks all the time. And then Fauci followed suit and started pushing masks. And then with the statistical modeling and things like that, that's how we got into this universal mask usage. But it really doesn't work. And like I know I've uh, talked with some people who they say, you know, like, hey, I have long COVID. I'm really sick. Everyone should be wearing a mask. It's unfair. You know, like you're 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 threatening me because you're not, you know, uh, wearing a mask. And I'm like you wearing a mask all the time is a good chance of why you have long COVID because you're constantly breathing in that bad bacteria that you're expelling because, you know, our, our lungs, every time you exhale, it's all bad bacteria and your mask will catch it. So then when you're breathing that in constantly and you're not, you have to consider that contaminated now. And if you're not, if you're breathing that in constantly, you're going to keep making yourself sick. Not to mention that the more you wear a mask, the higher your CO2 levels in your body get. And one of the studies I talk about talks about that and how high CO2 levels actually do get in cloth masks and other stuff, which lead to other physiological symptoms and conditions that then people blame on things like long COVID. And it's really all comes down to that. And that if we were truly wanted to do this properly, we would have to go to these um, industrial experts um, for basically industrial hygiene experts, the subject matter experts in that. And follow what they call um, um, it's a uh, it's a specific hierarchy on how to deal with contaminants and and it's all industrial contaminants for like workers and things like that and wearing mask in your actual PPE you know, your personal protective equipment that equipment is really the the last line of defense and it's the weakest form of the defense. Of, of combating all of this stuff in these contaminated conditions and environments. And no one's doing these things properly because that's not the point of it. The point of it, of government, of pushing all this stuff is not to make us better, but to keep us sick. And because there is a, a true push to make people sick and to get people to become sicker, because if you're sicker, you're weaker, you're easier to control, you're easy, easier to mani- uh, be manipulated, and that's the true purpose of government, because the the definition of government is um, <clears throat> a tool or action of control, because it's govern plus mint, and mint is a tool or action, and govern is control. So a tool or action of control. And if you if you're being controlled, you're not free. There's there's you can't be free and be controlled at the same time. So you're it's one or the other. So innocent people shouldn't be controlled by government only really it should be criminals they're the only ones that should be controlled the people that are creating victims and you know me just walking around in a store i'm not creating any victims even if i'm sick it's not my responsibility it's other people's responsibility to protect themselves if you truly think you know you're super scared of covid 
get a properly rated mask, wear a mask that has a filter. So you're breathing in clean air and you're expelling the bad air. And then you should only be wearing it for a certain amount of time. And then again, it's all about proper sealing it. Uh, if you have a beard, guess what? You shouldn't be wearing a mask because you can't properly seal them. So everyone who has a beard, it's pretty much pointless. And people don't realize all of this stuff and they don't know how to take care of themselves. They don't know how to keep their hands clean. They don't, they've been using all of these chemicals and other these harsh chemicals for, you know, killing bacteria, but they don't realize it kills, kills good bacteria and bad bacteria while we need the good ones, but not the bad ones. And really people should just be washing their hands with soap. <laughs> that's, that's all it should be is just soap and some clean water and you move about your day. And you just, you know, don't get near sick people. If someone has a fever, stay away from them, protect yourself. And that's how, that's how it really should be. And it, it's, it's amazing when I started doing all of this research, how bad like our food supply is being poisoned, you know, like every, all the processed food, the processed sugars, all of this stuff that government has been pushing on us saying, oh, this is health food. This is this, this is that. When you actually really go into it and look at it and go, well, what happens? Are they lying to us? It turns out they actually are. And it, it's amazing how little people understand that. And it's because of being indoctrinated in a public school for, you know, decades. Well, it's, it's interesting to me too, that in, in the beginning of all this, nobody, they weren't, the government was not pushing like you said, like healthy food and clean water and, and exercise and, and taking care of yourself. They were pushing, they were leading into a vaccine. I was afraid to even buy into that narrative, but you could see it coming. I was afraid that this was going to happen, you know, and they weren't, the, the government was not, they were shutting down gyms yep. and not McDonald's. Yep. McDonald's drive through was 24 hours a day, but they were shutting down gyms people going to better their health yeah you or I mean, they were shutting down nature they were shutting down the sun they were telling people you you can't even go out onto the beach by yourself be, or we will arrest you because you're breaking you know these these laws but then uh uh police policy enforcers would violate social distancing and roll up on people and arrest them i mean a beachgoer who's by themselves no one around and you have you know 10 cops roll up on them I mean, there is even videos, I've seen videos of where someone puts a dummy out on uh, the beach with like a fishing pole and a bunch of cops swarm them and it's some person <laughs> and it's just a dummy and they were just screwing with the cops. Well, I told you before we started recording, you know, that, you know, when I was my transitioning into understanding anarchy, um, the last thing for me to, the hardest thing for me to let go of was the, the cops, you know, defending the cops, you know, and it, um, I like how you use the, the phrase policy enforcer. I've never I've never heard it um, put that way, but it's it, that's the most accurate uh, way to describe a cop because they're not peacekeepers. They're they're they are policy enforcers. They're pushing a they're 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 enforcing a policy by a corrupt man in a suit somewhere, you know. And and what I you know I told you too that when when George Floyd was murdered right before our very eyes in in, in Minnesota. I was like, something's bad wrong here. You know, I used to defend the cops when they would, when they would kill somebody. It was like, well, if he was just not resisting, he'd still be alive. I, I was that guy, you know. But then, then I saw the the way they were bullying people during COVID, shutting businesses down. Yep. Policy enforcers, enforcers enforcing these policies that, by the way, there were no laws on the books about this. This was all mandates. 
by a health department somewhere. Okay, so they're enforcing these these policies and and ruining people's lives and scaring them into you know using scare taxes. And I don't I don't ever want to hear this again from anybody living in this country to say that we live in a free country because that's garbage. <laughs> do not do not ever say that to me again because it's baloney. And I'm trying not to use four letter words right now, but I got a lot of them running through my head right now because it's not true. We do not live in a free country. And we, if, if, if it was never more evident than, than during COVID, then people are just not going to get it. They're not going to believe that. They think they're going to go change this at the, at the voting booth. That's, that's so stupid. How naive can a person be at this point yep. to think that whether well, 300 something million people in, in this country and over half of them still go and vote and, and, and put these people in power that did this for what? Two years from 2020 until 2022. Now it's kind of waning. You know, people kind of gotten kind of sick of the narrative. You know, I saw this, this, you know, we'll get into propaganda as well, too. But I saw this commercial yesterday. I was cooking dinner. I was watching the final four, you know, just enjoying a basketball game, you know, having a beer. And I was, this commercial popped up and it was, it started off and I haven't seen this commercial before, but Memphis loves these commercials for some reason. But they, it, uh, it, it popped up and said, we should know now, and I'm paraphrasing that how how much we we need to depend on one another. We should, we've saw it over the last couple of years, and then we need to we need to protect ourselves and others. And then then it pops up three people, and they got masks on their face, and they're pointing to their arm because you know that, and they're talking about getting a vaccine. And then it's and I was like, come on, is anybody believing this stuff anymore? And I know there are. Listen, I try to give some folks some grace too if I see somebody out with a mask on. I don't care. I don't care if everybody else in this world is wearing a mask, but me just don't tell me that I have to do it. Leave me alone. I'm not bothering you. Don't bother me. And that's where I got, I, I just, I don't know what I'm afraid of. And this is why I want to keep talking about this because I'm afraid people will forget. And then the next thing that pops up, are you going to remember 2020 to 2022? Are you going to remember those years or no? I, I have, I have a, I have a, I, I call people, um, the, the vast majority of the folks around in this country have the mind of a goldfish. They can't remember once around a bowl what, what happened. And I'm afraid that's going to be the next thing. The next thing is going to be bigger than even COVID. And COVID was huge. Absolutely. And, and back to the, the whole like policy enforcer thing, I, I call, you know, uh, the whole thin blue line. It's just, it's a modern, their police are modern day redcoats. Yeah. They, because, I mean, even uh, Jefferson said that, you know, the law is often but uh, tyrants will. Right. And uh, the Redcoats were the ones who were enforcing those policies of a king. And we revolted against that, of that idea of tyranny and overtaxation and, you know, things like that. And we get to today and you still see the police. They're the ones that are you know coming for your guns. They're the ones shutting gyms down. You you don't see a politician rolling up on some gym saying you need to shut down. They're never going to do that. Right. I mean even the federal <laughs> government it, you know doesn't overstep that much. They get the the boots on the ground are the ones, you know, the local policy enforcers. Those are the ones who are really the ones violating our rights. They're the ones forcing us you know, taking our rights away. And again, if we try to step out, then they swarm because they're a gang and they then come in force to stop you. Or if they're just having a bad day, they might kill you. And just from a simple traffic stop. And like I said, like you, we all have a right to not listen to good laws. I mean, we should be disobeying 
bad laws because bad laws are tyrannical in nature. And I, I actually use the, um, uh, I like going even like the constitution. I used to be really big into the constitution and, you know, like, you know, things like that, but I no longer am because again, it's just a piece of paper and it's a poor litmus test. And one reason why I call that is because the, you know, everyone likes to say that, you know, through the constitution and the 13th amendment, they got rid of slavery, but that's not true. If you actually read the 13th amendment, they say they, it gets, they get rid of slavery except, and everyone forgets there's an exception. And the exception is if you've been duly convicted of a crime, well, who considers what's the definition of a crime? I mean, jaywalking's a crime. So you walk across the street and a cop sees you and they either go, hey, you know, if you're white, they might ignore you. You're black, bam, they arrest you. And now you're a legal slave because you just committed a crime in their eyes. And people don't realize that. They don't. They also miss that the Supreme Court on multiple occasions has confirmed that the government has no obligation or duty to protect and serve us. And that includes all policy enforcers, that their only duty to protect and serve are those in their care, which is criminals. So only the people they arrest is when they actually have a duty to protect and serve those people while they're in their care. But otherwise, the general public, the innocent people, they don't have to do anything. They can sit there and watch you, you know, get raped and mugged or murdered, and they don't have to do anything. They don't even have to report it. And it's 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 crazy how people still hold on to the idea that you know where we have to blindly follow these government agents because they really are government agents. And it all comes back to being indoctrinated in public schools for, you know, years and you have generations of being in this, the public school system and our public school systems geared to create literacy slaves who have blind obedience towards authority because you it's through the um, classical trivium, <clears throat> which was from the Catholic Church. And that's to create um, basically a circle body of knowledge where they keep people in. And if you step outside of that body of knowledge, they slap your hand. You know, you, you can't go outside approved rhetoric. And so that's basically literacy slaves. While then they, the U.S. government also incorporated the Prussian education system. And the Prussian education system was designed once uh, the Prussians lost to Napoleon. And their parliament was like, why did this happen? And they're like, oh, our soldiers are thinking for themselves. So they created this whole new school system that created blind obedience and authority with the focus on nation building. Well, the U.S. government incorporated that whole um, system into the U.S. education system. So now you have generations of people who are being taught under this system, and it, it's led to where we are today. And again, the Russians uh, later became Germany than Nazi Germany. And that's the same path we're heading down is that that same fascism. But we've, you know, we've, uh, you know, gone around the world now. And we have, you know, overstepped and people are going to be in for a rude awakening when that gets reverted and things start going downhill a lot faster than they are now, because really big things are coming. A lot of changes. I mean, the, the military is going to get decimated. Our economy is going to tank. And it's it, it can all be tied back to, you know, various things that China has done. And now this the whole uh, um, mRNA vaccines that they pushed on everyone. You know, there's those are legit gene therapies because um, synthetic mRNA or mRNA in general, there is a process in place that can actually write, rewrite your DNA from it. And it's a reverse transcription. I'm not sure the exact uh, how to pronounce that, but 
um, there is an actual mechanism in place to alter and edit our genes and our DNA from this. So these really are gene therapies and they've been openly said, um, like, you know, even like Zuckerberg, things like that. They've all openly said that these are gene therapies, but yet most people will say, oh, it's not a gene therapy because, you know, government says it's not, but, but <laughs> there are people in the government that are saying that it's, you know, gene therapy and you know, people don't realize it because they just, I mean, it's, it's so hard to really find out all this information. I mean, you have to do a lot of research to find all this information because you're not being taught in schools. You're not being taught anywhere this information and you have to have the, the ability and time to go and research it. I mean, I've, I've spent years looking into this stuff. I mean, and it's, it's hard. Even, even people have time finding the time to, to even read this book. And I mean, it's 300, it's 348 pages long, but I mean, it's fully detailed, uh, listing all of this stuff out. And I don't even, I just scratched the surface on everything. This isn't even like people have written books on each of my chapters. And so it's not even, uh, it's really just that, that surface level. There is so much more to it. And I, you know, I, I tried to cover as much as I could, but I mean, I know for a fact that I've, there's certain points and certain topics that I could have added in, but I mean, I had to cut the book off at some point. <laughs> right. Well, you know, and speaking of policy enforcers, police officers, uh, law enforcement officers, whatever you want to call them, just recently here, you know, in Tennessee and Nashville, there was a school shooting. Yep. And this happens when this happens, you can bet immediately on social media when people start talking about guns and taking away guns in this. Listen, and I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm as a pacifist, now I still have a pistol, but I don't carry it. Okay. Because as a pacifist, I would love nothing more than for everybody to lay down their weapons, turn them into plowshares, as the Bible talks about. Right. So, but the problem I'm seeing is, and I, I see this even from Christians. And self-proclaiming pacifists to say that, that they're wanting to they're wanting the government to do more gun laws or pass more gun restrictions. And, you know, and I'm like, you do understand th this is what I can't get anybody to, to, to explain to me. The logic behind this, you do understand that the folks that you're wanting to pass more laws on guns are they could be the ones that come and take your guns from you. So you only want the government to have the weapons. I'm not advocating for a revolution. I'm not advocating for going and killing the government officials. That's not what I'm saying. But you only want those people to have weapons. That makes no sense to me. Have you ever read a history book? I mean, and, and that's what it comes down to. Like even the second amendment, it's not just about personal self-defense. I mean, in the overarching scheme, yes, but it's really about self-defense against government tyranny. Because that's what the Constitution is. It's supposed to be a check on the federal government. Supposed to be. Supposed to be. It's not supposed to be a check on us. It's supposed to put a check on government, not us. And the government has flipped it and made it as a check really on us. And so we, any weapon that could be used against us, we should be able to have. Because, again, it's that equal footing that we should be able to repel tyranny. I saw somebody talking about this. Like, are so you saying that that I should own a bazooka? I was like, absolutely. Yes, if the government has one, you should have one too. I mean, if you want to go spend the money, if you have money, absolutely. And what? And again, I, I even go back to like the government, and I talk about it in my book that Plato, thousands of years ago, had enough evidence to see that government is a life cycle. It is not static. Everyone likes to say, oh, we're a constitutional republic. No, we're not. 
government is not a static thing. It is it has a life cycle, regardless of where it starts. It always eventually gets to democracy and then tyranny. After democracy comes tyranny. After tyranny is revolution, because that's the natural progression of people when you put them in a box and you start re rejecting their freedoms and things like that. Eventually, people fight back. And that's when you get to revolution. So we're actually entering a global, and this is, I don't think has happened, at least in written human history that we've been told, where there has been a global tyranny where all the governments of the world are basically reaching this tyrannical phase at the exact same time. And so now we have this global tyranny that we're about to get hit with and we're now entering in. And my my whole premise of the book really is that they are using COVID or they did use COVID-19 as a live fire exercise to spring us into this global tyranny and this next phase of tyranny. And basically it's like the new 9-11. You know, 9-11 changed a lot of things around the world. And it, this is the, the new updated version, but it was a live fire exercise. I don't, there's a lot of people who say that, you know, COVID-19 was absolutely not real and it was just fake and, you know, viruses aren't real and things like that. And I can entertain those ideas, but it's also a simple solution that they created something in a lab. You want to call it bacteria, a virus, whatever. They created something in a lab through gain of function, they release it, it then spreads because it is all coronaviruses are common colds. So any coronavirus type of, of virus or disease is a common cold and will act like that. So if we don't have immunity for it, yeah, it's going to spread and take out some of the vulnerable populations and stuff like that, but it's a common cold. It's going to be endemic. It's just, you know, it's just another thing that we have to deal with and it's fine. So my premise is, is that they really did create something and released it and it was engineered for a specific purpose. And it was, that purpose was to release it and to basically figure out how everyone would react, how people would fight back against tyrannical measures. And they took stock in all this. Now they know how everyone is going to respond. And they didn't fight back. That's what was so frustrating. That was so frustrating to me is they didn't fight back. Well, a lot of, yeah, most people didn't. They just went with it because they were like, because they got scared. I could not understand that. I said, why are you, why are you putting so much faith in the government on this? Do you know who you're talking about or who you're believing in? And that's when I brought up before. Well, it's because they, they prefaced all of it with uh, the measles. They go, hey, the measles is so scary and they pushed it so hard saying, hey, we're all going to die because a handful of people here and there got measles. Well, a handful of people, every, you know, every year get measles and it doesn't it's never been eradicated. They've always had a handful of people, you know, like up to 100 people every single year of documented cases of measles. But most people don't die. It's actually very rare. You know, there were churches, there were churches holding vaccine clinics. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I was like, man, wait a second. If, 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 if people are going to have mistrust of the government, whatever, but if anybody should not trust the government, it should be Christians. Mm -hmm. They killed our king. They murdered Jesus Christ. And you're putting your faith in, in these people for and holding vaccine clinics? What is your problem? Yeah, and the bad thing is that I think the Vatican and some of those people are also in league with the same people pushing all of this stuff. 
which is why they like the Pope and stuff came out saying, hey, we need to do this. You need to take the vaccines. It's it doesn't go against the Bible or things like that, even though uh, every single vaccine uses uh, the fetal stem cells from aborted fetuses in either the testing, developing or manufacturing of the product. The final product might not have it in it, but at some point, every single vaccine on the market used uh, aborted um, fetal cells that had been um, uh, replicated since like the 60s or earlier. And they, they were, like I said, used in either development, testing or manufacturing process. And so even along those lines, people, if you're very religious in, in that aspect, you shouldn't be getting vaccinated just be based on that one piece. Dude, I had to get a religious exemption at work. Mm-hmm. I have a friend. He lives in. Um, dang, I'm gonna mess this up. I think it's Ohio. I think, but I'm, I'm not. I'm not certain. But he has a home church. You had to get the vaccine or get a religious exemption. It's gonna be two hundred dollars a month out of your paycheck. Damn, something to do with the insurance. But the insurance had nothing to do with it. It was all company, right? And I'm, I, I probably shouldn't talk about it because if, if anybody listens to this at work, I'm gonna get in trouble. But <laughs> I had to get a religious exemption. And basically, it it, it wanted a reason why my religious views kept me from keep me from getting it. So I just quoted the Bible. Yeah, you know, we are to obey God rather than man, and and God's not commanding me to get a vaccine. Nope, the government is. And we had meetings, man. We had people were getting pissed off. People were talking about quitting. You know, and people were dropping their insurance because like, well, I'm not going to pay for this. We'll get insurance somewhere else. And once that started happening, when people started dropping their insurance, they started losing money. <laughs> right. They reversed it and went back to like twenty dollars a paycheck. You know, when people kind of stood up to it. Yep. I mean, and I got a I got a religious exemption too because that was all that was accepted here in Washington State, and they weren't exe- uh, accepting a lot of different things. I mean, even a lot of companies were following because again, the government was saying, "Hey, you need to force this, or we'll take your business license." So a lot of companies weren't even the ones to doing it. So the government forced businesses to be the strong arm of the government and to take on all the liability. So now if someone takes a vaccine because the the business said to or mandated it because the government was forcing them and that person gets injured, now they sue the business, not the government. And so they were forcing businesses to take on the liability of that aspect because people don't realize that, hey, that's that's a natural progression. If you force someone to take an injection and they get injured, you're liable. And I actually got terminated, even though I had a religious exemption, that I got terminated from a, my one of, one of my jobs and at one point uh, because of it. Because I was like, no, there is no way in hell I am going to get vaccinated with any of this stuff. It's not going to happen. And I even had documented evidence that I had COVID um, through a blood test and I had natural antibodies for it. And I'm pretty sure I actually got that from someone who went to an event where it was nothing. They were only allowing people that had been vaccinated. And I'm pretty sure he got sick from people shedding the spike proteins from the vaccine and then brought it to me. And I got sick because he was shedding these spike proteins or the mRNA, whatever. And then I now had natural immunity to whatever that was, because again, the spike proteins that you're, uh, these vaccines were causing your body to produce are the same spike proteins on the COVID-19, and they're just as dangerous. 
Um, one of the um, studies I talk about shows how the spike proteins can get inside past the blood brain barrier and was causing damage to the brain. And I had a friend who was a virologist and she was on this study and had shown it up. And this was in like October of 2020. And um, she there, this study showed how the spike proteins of COVID was actually causing brain damage and other like Alzheimer's and other things and leading to that. Well, now you have these mRNA vaccines were triggering people to produce these spike proteins in abundance. And we're, you know, we're all told that, hey, you know, it's it's only going to last a few, you know, mRNA only lasts a few minutes. It doesn't last very long. You know, it's all the spike protein should only be localized to the injection site and things like that. But now we know for a fact that that was a lie and that the mRNA is actually synthetic mRNA and actually lasts a l- way longer than natural mRNA. And the spike proteins got everywhere, including, you know, your heart your liver, pancreas, your brain, they flooded the body. And in some people, it was produced for months and months and months. And now people wonder why, you know, everyone's dropping, the, you know, the, the sudden death and the whole narrative around sudden death. And it's because of this damage that's already been done. And I mean, even the, the NFL guy, um, I talk about him because his he dropped, you know, he basically dropped dead on the field during um uh, one of the games, or was it? Was it the Super Bowl? No, it was. Uh, I don't. I don't game your time. Actually, I was sitting here with some friends. You know, when we they were filming me, we were talking. They they're talking about doing a documentary. And they were filming me. I sent you that piece of that part where about when I'm talking about my brother. You know, and that happened. We were sitting there, and I and I stopped. Oh yeah. And I was like, hey, something just happened on this field. The game was on in the background. And they were all surrounded. I couldn't. I saw it kind of going on. Then I saw the crowd leaving the stadium. I was like, "Wait, something just something bad just happened on here." Then the, the fact that these people, like you said, the people are just dropping dead. I think we're just seeing the beginning of this too. Yeah. So for like Hamlin, um, and I pulled it up uh, on, in my book. Um, it was the Buffalo Bills uh, safety, and I watched that video a bunch of times. And I mean, the uh, other the wide receiver, you know, cut up midfield, did a normal route. Uh, Hamlin wrapped him up, took a small light hit. I mean, it wasn't a heavy impact, and he rolled backwards with him, rolled him to the ground, bounced up, kind of paused like he was going to try to figure out where to like reorient himself, and then all of a sudden just locked up and dropped. And immediately, mainstream media started pulling on cardiologists, talking about how you know it. This is a classic case of uh, what they call a commotio cordis. And, you know, basically a, a lethal disruption of the heart rhythm by a hit to the chest directly over the heart. Well, people don't realize that normally that only happens in children because they haven't, they don't have a, uh, their chest you know, structure isn't fully developed. And the fact that the uh, Hamlin was wearing full gear, never, ever has there ever been a single hit or a case of this in NFL history, not one. I mean, and they were even, you're talking back, even back in the days when people were being hit uh, with less pads or even no pads, and it's never happened. There are some reports saying that this event happens in one in 264 million. So I like, you know, I talk about it as like, what's what's rarer or what's the more likely case that this event happened to this safety who didn't actually take a very strong hit 
to the chest and had all these pads and was, you know, has been trained for years on how to take a hit successfully and to roll with the person and to bring them down versus a vaccine, a brand new you know, on the market vaccine with no learn a long-term safety studies that even the CDC has admitted can cause heart attacks and other heart issues. And there's a lot of evidence showing that it ha- it does affect the heart or can affect the heart. So what's more likely this rare thing that's never happened in NFL history, or is it a sign of what's to come of more people suffering from these cardiac events? Yeah, I've I've been watching football my entire life, man, and I've I've seen people get blown up on the field, and nothing, never seen anything like that. Never happened. Listen, I, I try also to be very careful too, because I don't want to. I see people jump to that all the time, so I, I don't really talk about it. But I understand why people would jump to. It. I, I think that, we're, like I said, we're seeing the very beginning of this. It's going to get worse. I think so. I mean, even uh, even out uh, throughout two thousand twenty one. Um, um, professional sports players around the world have been dropping on the pitch and fields, you know, during soccer matches or, you know, other, you know, what they call football, uh, you know, different, different times. And you just see people dropping. I mean, even down to the high school level here in the States, kids are dropping left and right. I mean, maybe not left and right, but it's way more than ever before. I mean, it feels like every week I'm seeing another article of someone in a sports just dropping over. Well, somebody just the other day that uh, you, uh, I think it was Utah in Utah, a, a football player on, in practice just dropped. Just dropped. I mean, again, if if it was just a couple here and there, and there was a small uptick, I could say it's just a natural thing. Maybe it's the energy in the air, and it's disrupting rhythms and electricity, or the electrical impulses in us, and then maybe it's that something along those lines. But the fact that these, we started seeing spikes in the sudden deaths and stuff like that, only when these vaccines came out. To the point where Australia started a whole database just to track sudden deaths because they had what they called excess deaths and unexplained deaths. They couldn't figure out why so many people are starting to drop. And so they had to set up a whole new database just to track these specific things. They know why it's happening. Absolutely. But let's, 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 I, mean, <laughs> I mean, they know why it's happening. They just don't want to admit to no. it. And the problem is, the problem that we're going to see too is that none of these folks are going to be held accountable for mm-hmm. it. They're talking about arresting Donald Trump for something. He, he paid off a porn star or something. I'm like, why don't you arrest him for uh, mass murder, the genocide in Yemen, you know, along with Barack Obama, George W. Bush, and, and now Joe Biden. Why don't you arrest him for that? And a lot of people, like a lot of people, they're going back to like, oh, we got to get Trump because of <laughs> X, Y, Z. You know, he's going to drain the swamp this time for sure. Or, you know, he that's the way to save America is by going with him. But they don't realize that he's just psyops. He's controlled opposition. If you look at his background, who his parents knew, things like that, he's like, he should definitely not be trusted. He is connected to all these people. He was a lifelong Democrat until he started running and became a Republican. Oh, I know, man. Listen, (laughs) a lot of guys I work with that live in Mississippi, they're, they're super red, you know, conservative. And I have these conversations with them like, well, I don't remember uh, having problems with the grocery store and prices going up when Donald Trump was president. I said, you do know that he played a hand in this, correct? Yeah, he brought us the vaccines. He is the one who did Operation Warp Speed that got us these mRNA vaccines that Gates pushed within a less than a year. I mean, they took 
from the moment it came out and they decided to do a vaccine, they were like, we developed this in one day. And then they were hitting the manufacturing process one day to design these vaccines. And there's never been the only mRNA uh, product on the market is these vaccines. And a lot of people don't realize are that these vaccines are liability free products that were protected by Congress and by the government. All vaccines, doesn't matter if you call something a vaccine and it gets approved for market by the FDA, it has liability protection by the government. And that's been in place since 1986 from the Childhood Vaccine Act. And that so all vaccines. So if you want to make a billion dollars of easy money, you create a problem, you throw whatever to the wall and you call it a vaccine. Now, all of a sudden you have uh, and who cares what what the what comes from it. And like one of the things that um, I talk about in the book is that RSV is one potential issue from these vaccines that it could cause this these respiratory syndrome when they go, you know, that a respiratory syndrome virus and uh, that these vaccines can trigger things like that later on because it's damaged the immune system. Well, now you have Moderna coming out with an RSV vaccine. It's because we see these spikes and it's an mRNA one. And it's like I said, it's the broken window fallacy. They break the window, then they provide you the solution to fix it. And they go, look how good we are, you know, while making billions of money, billions of dollars, liability free, because they don't have to worry about it. I mean, even the FDA, the prior FDA commissioners have either went to work with Pfizer's board of directors or Moderna. So these companies that are making billions pulled in these FDA commissioners who then held sway on getting these products out the door. And then of course, the, you know, when uh, people tried to get uh, the applications from um, Pfizer uh, public, uh, they went to the judge and were like, Hey, you know, there's trade secrets and other stuff, or we don't have the manpower. We need 75 years to be able to release all of the data that we were provided in the application. And I'm like, all right, so you were able, and within a few months, able to go through these applications and say, yep, everything looks good, but you tell me you can't release this information, but you have, you only do it. You only have the manpower to do it in 75 years. No, it's all corrupt. It's all about money. Like everywhere you look, you can, they're, they're lying to us and people fail to see it. And again, like you were talking about people, you know, the goldfish analogy, you know, people don't have the ability to really retain that information and question it because they're getting hit with something new. They're getting hit with, Oh, look, Donald Trump's being arrested or indicted. He's never going to go to jail. He's part of it. He is literally the, the shiny object to distract people while other stuff is going on. I mean, there's major moves going on with China and Russia and other things, these global events changing. And then everyone's all the news is like, hey, look, the government and a porn star. <laughs> that, that's all they're looking at. And if people don't realize, I mean, how bad the Ohio derailment and how how all of those people are getting sick and chemical like it's bad and it's just going to get worse and people don't realize it because they no one's talking about it because they've moved on there's been other derailments other other issues that have come up and they don't realize that all of this stuff is playing in and so for years i've been telling people that we were going to have major major water shortages coming up and then after that you have major food shortages coming up and I've been telling people on Instagram, like, hey, this stuff's coming. And 
sure enough, like last year, they started really getting into the droughts and things like that. So this year coming up, it's just going to get worse and worse. But now all of a sudden, they're starting to poison all of these water supplies. So your wells, the rivers, things like that, um, normal uh, water filtration plants that you normally get for your tap can't filter out these chemicals. Nor is the EPA actually testing for these chemicals because they only can test for so many things because every single test costs money. And a lot of these places don't have the money to test for everything. So a lot of these, a lot of our water supplies are getting tainted and people don't realize it. Well, you just sound like a conspiracy theorist. I am absolutely a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> Call, we got called that quite a bit during the COVID stuff. You know, even when you would just question the science behind it. Yep. I'm like, wait, wait, I can't question it. You know, and you're telling me that I got to do this. This is there's something unethical going on Absolutely. here. Tell me I got to put a foreign substance into my body that I don't know anything about. Come on. I mean, I like to drink beer. I know it's not good for me, but I know what's in it. Yep. I don't know what's in that shot. I don't trust you. No, I mean, except what they tell us that, hey, we we provided it's all of these other chemicals that make whatever instructions we put in there. And again, the instructions they tell us are to produce these spike proteins, but we don't even have a guarantee that that's actually only anything in there. They could have other types of instructions written in there. I mean, even Elon Musk has come out and said that mRNA is like writing software code, that with the right instructions and the right process, it's like you can turn someone into a butterfly or a, you know, a fish or something along those lines because you're altering the genetic makeup of a, of a body and cause the MRNA is just instruction. So your DNA produces MRNA and the MRNA goes to your cells. And then that's what tells the cells what to do. So these MRNA vaccines are actually doing like man in the middle attacks where the DNA gets stopped. Those instructions from the DNA get stopped and they insert their own instructions. So we have really no idea what these instructions are really saying. At most, it's just the spike proteins. But even that's bad. Well, when people started kind of waking up to what was going on, and I remember saying it to somebody at work. They asked me, because I had a lot of, they, they knew how vocal I was about this. So they'd come and ask me questions about things and stuff. And one of them, he came up and asked me, he goes, what do you think is going on? I said, and I, I just said it. I don't didn't really think before I said it. I said, I think they're actively just trying to kill us all. But then... At the same time, they lose lose their revenue source. <laughs> they kill everybody. So, you know what I mean. So, I, I mean, I, it, with with at the expense of maybe sounding like a conspiracy theorist myself, but like I, I love the conversations and I and I believe a lot of 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 that stuff too. I just I try not to say it out loud because I don't want to be that that crazy guy on the internet. Yeah, I mean, and I, I've I've gone through that whole thing. I, I I've been looked down upon by family members, by friends that I am crazy and you know everything like that. But when you look into it, you're like, but look at this, look at this evidence, look at this proof. And people miss, you know, connecting the dots. And I'm pretty good at seeing patterns and pattern recognitions and things like that. And um, so there is in 2017. A uh, it was the a Deagle intelligence report, and Deagle was an intelligence officer who has now passed. Um, and he w- worked in the upper echelons of government and uh, connected to a bunch of different of these groups, you know, like the World Economic Forum or uh, the Rockefellers, things like that. Was high up. He was producing these independent intelligence reports. Um, uh, you know, every single year. Well, in 2017, he came out with one showing that. 
basically Western cultures, we're going to suffer up to a 70% population decline by 2025, you know? And then now if you try to go find that specific report, it's been scrubbed, but you can find people that have saved images of it. And I mean, I remember in 2017 seeing this report when it came out and it was, it was crazy. Like, well, how are we going to get there? We have 327 million, you know, almost 330 million people in the U.S., how do we get down to 90 million people by 2025? And it was it's kind of hard to see how we could get there. But if everyone took a biological weapon and injected, and I believe that these COVID vaccines are that, that there is a time delay on them, that the more you inject, the faster it can hurt you or the, the higher that risk of being affected by it. And then on top of that, you have... Uh, all the socioeconomic disasters, I mean, even the U.S. dollar basically dying and they're killing the U.S. dollar and you're going to see an economic collapse from that. I mean, you just saw one of the banks collapse. There's a potential another dozen plus banks are going to collapse. They're already pushing the idea of uh, the digital dollar and they're going to call it something else. So the U.S. dollar can collapse. China is uh, working with Russia to get other countries to stop using the dollar. So you're about to see that completely go. And our money, you know, basically the U.S. dollar is going to become worthless. Then you have uh, now they're poisoning, the, they're poisoning the water, the land. They're taking over farmland. I mean, Bill Gates is the largest farm, private farm owner in the U.S., and he produces Monsanto, you know, potatoes and things like that. And then fun funnels those potatoes to like McDonald's. So like McDonald's fries most likely are actually Monsanto potatoes that Bill Gates has produced. And so all of this stuff is happening. And I, I seeing all of that, I can see how by 2025, we could see a significant decline and they might call it as, you know, the next pandemic, they might blame on really all of these factors coming to a head and they go, well, actually we're going to call it a new disease. And it's there, or they do release something like a gain of function research around um, like the bird flu and that the bird flu actually becomes uh, infectious to humans. And then that goes through. Um, so one of my quotes and what I talk about in my book is that an ex-CIA director at one point during an interview said that the next true pandemic is going to be a bird flu pandemic. And they are there. I lay out evidence of how they've been doing gain of function research for bird flu vac um, viruses and stuff like that out of Ukraine. And a lot of that was actually done through Hunter Biden. And his his like EcoHealth Alliance and uh, um, one of the other businesses that he was heavily involved with, they were all doing this research out of Ukraine, and they were also involved with COVID. So you they the next virus has already been developed; it just hasn't been released yet. They have way way more, and a lot of these labs they have way worse things than COVID. I mean, COVID was, is going to be minor compared to what they could release. And they already know how to take care of themselves. They already know what to do. I mean, I talk about a lot of alternatives versus using these vaccines for like COVID. And they all have a very specific reason of why, you know, the hydroxychloroquine, um, ivermectin, uh, even cannabis, vitamins, all of those things play and help fight against COVID or even the common cold. And it, vitamins is one of the most important things that most people don't realize is that 
most of the U.S. population is vitamin deficient. Mainly a vitamin D deficient is one of the big ones. And of course, the government was saying, hey, you're not allowed to go out, out into the sun when you know COVID was going around. And that was our, one of the main sources of getting vitamin D is the sun. Well, I think I heard this on the Rogan podcast recently yeah. that they came out, they, they've come out now and said if people have been taking vitamin D. Absolutely. They, they, they've been maybe, I think they said the deaths would have been reduced to like 30% or something. Maybe, maybe less than that. But Yep. And I talk about it in my book. I mean, even when, when I started researching all this and started getting into it, I'm like, okay, well, what is COVID? How does it affect you? What are the different things? I mean, I bought pounds of vitamin C. So like vitamin C, the sicker you are, the more vitamin C you can take in a 24-hour period. And they call it hitting tritation is basically when you hit uh, a point where you kind of have like a bowel movement. It's almost like diarrhea, but not. And you take a vitamin C four times a day and you you can even track it. Next time you, you know, when you're, you think you're healthy and you're perfectly fine, you, the amount of vitamin C you can take in, in, in orally is a lot less than when you're sick. When you get sick, the, the, the amount of vitamin C you can take in significantly increases to the point where it's almost a chore having to take vitamin C because your cells require vitamin C to function properly. And these bacteria, these viruses, you know, use the vitamin C out of it and run through it. So when you get sick, you can pump your system through vitamin C and it'll help reduce the severity and the length of any sickness. I'm talking, you know, AIDS, HIV, influenza, it doesn't matter what it is. Vitamin C is highly important. And if we were really going to uh, make society healthy, the hospitals, that should be the first thing they do. You walk into a hospital sick, they hook you up to an IV with vitamins, high dose of vitamin C. That should be the absolute first thing they do. And then they discuss on, okay, well, what do you have? Because at no point does vitamin C injure anyone if you're sick. I mean, you're talking anything, even if you just have an infection um, or you cut yourself and you have an infection, vitamin C helps fight against that. And then uh, like you were saying, vitamin D was a big one for COVID, that most people are vitamin D deficient. And that's that's another big one. Uh, zinc is one, um, even vitamin A. See, I've always taken vitamin C and zinc with my multivitamin, but when all this started... And I guarantee you, the multivitamin is not even enough. Like, you need a lot of vitamin C. Like, I, I added some things to my vitamin regimen. When, when all this started, I was like, well, okay, I'm not getting a vaccine if it helps, whatever. I'm not doing that. I'm not, I can't wear a mask. So I got to do something, you know? So I started reading some stuff on my own. Yep. And come to find out you need to be taking Quercetin. So I started taking Quercetin because apparently Quercetin will open up your white blood cells to allow the zinc to get in there to fight off this stuff. I started taking vitamin D again. Um, and zinc is good to help help your body absorb other vitamins, which is why zinc is important. I started taking bromelain. There's something else. I, I got another one. I got a, a, <laughs> I got a counter full of vitamins in my bathroom right now. But I added some stuff to it. Because I'm like, I'm not putting a shot in my arm. I'm not um, wearing a mask. But I'm going to do something to protect myself if this is a real thing. And I'm, I'm not one of those people that ever claimed that, that COVID wasn't a thing. I mean, people were dying. I, 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 I see that. But I don't think it was as severe as, as a lot of people said it would be or said it was. And, we're, and it's coming out now that it wasn't. I want to talk about something real quick before I let you go. Um, 
between 2020 and, and you put this in the book between 2020 and now Pfizer and now Pfizer and Moderna stocks were some of the most owned stocks by Congress. And if we if, if people know that or if, if they didn't know that, they need to know that now. And it, it explains a lot of what was going on behind, you know, how just how 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 in cahoots the, the government is with pharmaceutical companies. Oh, absolutely. Major, major conflicts of interest were going on. I mean, you, some of these politicians who were saying you absolutely need to get it vaccinated. Yes, we should be pushing tyrannical laws to force vaccination compliance are then turning around and making potentially you know, hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars based on these stocks. And that's just the directly owned stocks, not any stocks that they had other shell companies buy in or their friends and family buy in. You know, this is just them directly owning it, that some of the most owned stocks by Congress was Moderna and Pfizer. Like I said, it's just a huge conflict of interest. I mean, even going looking at like Fauci and the NIH, Fauci, a specific sequence of HIV, and he patented it. And this sequence is in COVID-19, and it's in the spike proteins of the COVID-19. So if they are replicating the vaccines to generate these spike proteins, if that sequence is in the vaccines, then the, there's a significant chance that these uh, corporations are paying him royalties for the use of that sequence. And, and they, don't, they don't realize that there's those connections there that they're allowed to make money off of the vaccines or the, the research and development off of taxpayer funding. And they're allowed to make money and patent this stuff. And so you have these scientists who are making a lot of money, some up to millions of dollars in in patent research based off of taxpayer money. And and then they're, like I said, they're in league with it. They go to the boards. They work with Pfizer's directly to help to, to come up with this stuff and then push it through the systems. I mean, now they, what, the CDC came out and they all voted to add COVID-19 vaccines to the childhood vaccine list. So now all states, if they want to, can enforce the COVID-19 vaccines on children and guaranteed some schools are doing it. Maybe not all, and it might not be all right away, but there's a lot that are going to start doing it now that uh, uh, it was at the end of last year that the CDC's uh, panel and the FDA panel approved the, the use of these vaccines on children. Um, or, or, if, or at least in, to include it on the vaccine list that all children should be taking. And again, but COVID-19, the least affected person was a child. And, and people don't, they're like, you know, why, why is that? Why should we be giving them injections when the most targeted person, the most, you know, the most at risk was a 90 year old with, you know, eight other issues of, you know, like they had cancer issues with their heart, you know, vitamin deficient. They had a bunch of other things. Those are the most, most at risk, while the least at risk was a child. There was a uh, study from Italy that uh, correlated melatonin production to fighting off COVID infection. And it's because around 10 to 12 years old, uh, children peak at the melatonin production. And then from there on, um, humans uh, produce less and less melatonin every night until they get into their, you know, into their nineties or until they die. 
So there is a correlation, a direct correlation to the amount of melatonin you produce in your body to how sick you could get from COVID. So really, uh, like any of the other vitamins, the second you get sick, you start taking melatonin every night just to rest and just to sleep. And it significantly reduces the severity and duration of COVID or any disease. It doesn't even matter. Hey, folks, Craig here. And I'd like to let y'all know we are always looking for writers to contribute to our blog. I don't care if you have any experience or not. Two or three of our contributors had no prior experience writing, and it turns out they have a real knack for it. Our project coordinator helps them put the articles together, and she publishes them on our website and Facebook page. And you will also have the option to come on the show and go more in-depth about your article. So if you like what we're doing at The Bad Roman and would like to try your hand at writing, then send us an email at thebadromanpodcast at gmail.com. We're having a blast with this project, and we would love for you to join us in helping promote it. Now back to the show. Well, speaking of the the ones that are at risk, one of these commercials, I, I bring this up again, the commercials that I see, one I saw the other day, it was it was a lady, she's well, several people on the commercial, but one was like, well, I'm overweight, so I'm more at risk for COVID-19. And then one guy's like, I'm a smoker, so I'm more at risk for COVID-19. And I'm listening to this, I'm like, well, why don't you do something about it? Why stop smoking? Maybe go to the gym and change your diet. If I mean, if, if, the, if this is putting you at risk to COVID-19, we'll stop being fat. Yep. Or stop being a smoker. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that I'm the, in the best shape of my life, but I'm working on it. But I do understand that I'm responsible to take care of myself. And if I if, if I can do anything to prevent from getting prevent myself from getting sick, I'm going to do it. And that means changing my diet, and that means exercising, and that means not smoking. <laughs> you know. I mean, and I get it. It's actually. I mean, it's really hard. Our entire like, if you look at all of our food. If you're not making your own food, all of the food that is produced at grocery stores and you follow it back to the company that makes it and then the parent company that owns that company and or the majority shareholder of those corporations that are producing the majority of things, it actually comes back to like three, four asset management companies that pretty much own trillions and trillions of dollars you know, worldwide. You have Vanguard, BlackRock, and they're the two main ones. Both of them together, it's like $18 trillion of assets and wealth and power. And they sit on all of these boards because if you own 10, 14% of a corporation, a major corporation, you have significant sway. I mean, look at uh, Musk taking over Twitter. He didn't have to buy 100% of the shares. He only bought enough and then said, hey, we're taking it private. We're going to pay everyone back. But then they have institutional investors, which to a guarantee most likely are going to be the same ones that already owned the significant shares of those stocks like BlackRock and Vanguard. And because they are sitting on the board saying, hey, you know, with Musk, even though they don't own as many shares as him, so he has a larger voice in it, they're still sitting on the board saying, yep, no, we agree. We'll go this direction. And so you have these these, these asset firms, the corporations dictating everything and when you do that you go it's not hard that if you owned or were sitting in the upper echelons of these groups and sitting on these boards you can uh, enact significant sway in what is being added to our food supply what is generic like you know high fructose corn syrup 
uh, you know, uh, soy oil and things like that. And nobody's talking about that stuff, man. That's what you know. You're talking about seed oils. That's another thing that I you know. Uh-huh. Stay out of the drive-through because everything they're cooking in there, your French fries from McDonald's, you were talking about. It's cooked in seed oils, and that seed oils is damaging your body. Absolutely, and I actually there is um a, one of the leaks. It wasn't the Ohio train derailment, but it was a barge that just got submerged. I, I want to say it was the Delaware River. Uh, but they were like, oh, it's leaking. You know, all of this specific toxin. And then, you know, in a subtext, it was like also, you know, tons and tons of like uh, soybean oil and like other stuff. And I'm like, watch that soybean oil getting into the water supply is going to be worse than the toxic chemical that they were mainly focused on. And it's because that that's getting into it. And actually, no, like soy is not good for us at all. Like all of it across the board. Like, I don't see any, every time I look into it more, there's just, you know, it's, it's bad for us that we should not be ingesting it. And it just shows that our food supply has basically been poisoned. Yeah, man. I, I changed my diet quite a bit too, with all this stuff. And I, I dropped about 50 pounds. Nice. Pretty quick too. I mean, it, it could just, could just for changing my diet. I mean, I was exercising, Yeah, but it, it was the diet and, and I, 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 if I cook, if I cook with anything, it was olive oil or coconut oil. Yep. Um, I don't, I don't, there's no vegetable oil in my house whatsoever. I eat a lot of meat and a lot of eggs. Yep. Meat, eggs, cheese, and fruit. And that's what I eat. And um, I, I heard Rogan talking about, I listen to Rogan way too much, I think, but I, I heard him talking about what his diet. And I was like, I actually think I could do that because. I love meat. I love. And I got, meat. There's a local meat market here in, in the town I live in, and I get my meat from them. I don't buy it from the grocery store anymore because you could buy. I could go buy a ribeye from the meat market versus a ribeye at Kroger or Walmart. You can you can put them next to each other. You can see the difference in the color of this meat. There's something wrong with this meat. These grocery stores. I mean, same thing with eggs. If you grow your own eggs, like there is a significant taste difference between. Your own farm fresh eggs. Oh, for sure. I got a guy. I got a guy at work. His his daughter has chickens, and he'll bring me some eggs every once in a while. I I don't have I don't have time to to raise chickens. I had chickens when I was a kid. They're nasty. I don't have time to take care of them. I wish I did. I wish I could hire somebody to to, to tend to chickens for me. But he'll bring me some fresh eggs, and it, the, even the texture of the of the of the egg is different than what you get at a grocery store. You can even taste the difference in cakes, like even pastries or when cooking with them, you can taste the difference between using a fresh egg versus a store-bought egg. And it's amazing, like to the point where I'm like, it's it's worth it. Like we have chickens and I never knew it until like my wife was like, no, let's raise chickens or eggs. I'm like, you should get it from the store, but okay, whatever. And we started doing it. And I was like, I was amazed. Like I immediately was like, oh, this makes sense. Like it's, it's vastly different from what you can find at a store. They're delicious. They are. I mean, I love eggs. And, you know, that was another thing. I, I started noticing that. I started talking about it, too. The price of eggs was going up at the grocery store. Are y'all not sick? Because I'll buy them 60 at a time. I eat eggs just about every day. And it would go from, like, I could buy a 60-count pack of eggs for, like, $7 or $8 at one time. And then it got up to, like, $22. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Right, because they're... If you look at it, it's it's a couple of different avenues of why that's playing. It's one inflation because they just flooded the market with new dollars of printed or at least a digital. They didn't even have to actually print the dollars. They just threw it on their books that they printed more. 
and on the fact that they're killing they because of bird flu and other stuff, they started wholesale slaughtering chickens. So now you have supply and demand is that the demand, uh, the supply of eggs is significantly less. And because they're wholesale slaughtering because of bird flu and things like that, that's why you're seeing that such a significant increase is that they're reducing the supply and you have inflation. So both of those combined together is why it gets worse. And it, it's only the beginning. It's going to get worse. Like and chickens, like if people realized they're they're not super difficult to raise. I mean, you just have to have a place for them and you do want to keep them clean and stuff like that. And you want to grab the eggs every day. But if people focused more on even something as simple as growing your own eggs, it would significantly reduce the demand on the market. So when things like this did happen, it wouldn't actually be that big of a deal because more and more people would be self-sustained. And that's the problem with this <laughs> idea of centralizing everything or importing everything to you is that you no longer are producing stuff yourself. You're no longer creating. You're no longer you know, building your own thing. So then you are now reliant on other people. And if that supply chain gets disrupted, you're screwed. You no longer have the eggs. You no longer have it or your costs go significantly up. Well, I was, there's a Highway 64, like I, I take every day to go to work. There's a sign. It says fresh eggs, but it, there's no phone number. There's no, it's, it's, it's one of those things like it's trying to lure you into something. Yeah. You know, like the, the meme with the, the, the clown from it He's down there in, in the gutter. <laughs> yeah. I got fresh eggs down here, you know, and, and I'm a sucker for fresh eggs, but I haven't, I haven't made my way down that road to see, figure out what's going on over there, but I, I, I need to go, <laughs> go talk to them. Yeah. Where are we going? Where are we going out here in the woods? What are you going to, you're, you're luring me with, 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 with fresh eggs. All right. And I am, so my whole, my, my last chapter of my book, I talk about the future and I talk about all of this stuff and how, because like I said, to understand where we are going for the future, you have to understand where we are today. And everything points, and this is my conspiracy theory, is that China targeted Western culture for destruction because China is very big on saving their culture. They are focused on maintaining culture and keeping their culture, while the U.S. is, let's bring all the cultures together and let's expand. Let's expand the empire and move forward. And they're, they're more focused on that. We don't really have cultures here. We have a bunch of other people that have brought cultures, but really there's no American culture. I mean, unless people were like, oh, well, gun culture. And I'm like, I'll take it. <laughs> but <laughs> I think that if you're China and you wanted to take out Western culture because it stands to against your culture and what you want to accomplish moving forward, how do you do that? Do you go toe to toe with them? You're not going to invade because you have a gun behind every blade of, blade of grass. You, you can't do that. Right. But what you can do is make it and destroy it from the inside. You can give someone, a, you know, cause this pandemic, have people inject something that you had a hand in making that you know is, is a ticking time bomb that in five to 10 years, you could sterilize an entire population, you know, kill off 50% of the people that have injected it. Like you could have all of that and then you could... Uh, tank their economy, tank the U.S. dollar, you can poison the food supply, and you can do all of this without setting a single soldier onshore. Not to mention, you have tens of thousands of basically cells of uh, people who are completely loyal to China 
like spies, if you will, but they're just sitting here. They're doing absolutely nothing. They're not creating any problems. They could be the nicest people. You know, you might be friends with them, but they are absolutely loyal to China if China rolled in. So my theory is, is that all of this is happening because they're pushing it to destroy us. Because again, the military has already been tainted by all the vaccines. So if it really started, people start really dropping, you're now going to see a huge decline in our military might. And the amount of people that have already injected themselves here, you're going to see these big changes, poor food, poor water, you know, our ability to protect ourselves from an outside force becomes significantly less and less and less. So my theory is that's all happening so that they can then come in and invade. Now, the reason why they're invading is another story and another topic. I do talk about it in my book, and it's a much larger scope of things to come. But there are reasons of why, and I do talk about that in my book. Um, one of them is to actually gain access to the underground uh, cities and highway systems that the US, U.S. has been building for decades, like under under Denver. Um, you know, there's you know uh, tons of work constantly being done, and there's evidence in, uh, showing that they have been doing this stuff for decades under the guise of you know nuclear fallout or something like that. But that's not the purpose of these underground cities and highway systems, because if it was nuclear fallout or because, you know, of a nuclear attack, what we should know about it. Because, again, if if Russia launched a bunch of nukes at us, you're talking minutes before it hits. There's no way to get, hey, the entrance to your shelter is, you know, 20 miles away and you have minutes to get there. It's not possible. So it's not feasible. So anyone saying that they're building this stuff for our protection is wrong. There is another purpose for it. Uh, so again, like I said, my my future chapter and even my mainstream science chapter where I talk about mainstream science, I get into the reason why this stuff is happening and where we're going and why, it, or at least I speculate on why um, these things could be happening. Well, I haven't got that far in the book yet. Uh, so oh, I, yeah. I, look, I look forward to, <laughs> to reading that part. I, one more thing before I let you go. I said that while ago, but I want to talk about Bears, or, or, or you, you pronounce it VARS, V-A-E-R-S. Yep. It is, you said there has been more adverse events in less than two years for reported hospitalizations, deaths, and total counts attributed to COVID-19 vaccines combined spanning over 30 years. Now, in the last two years, this is happening. And every time, like if I would read something from, from, from VARS and I would share it, you would get blasted. Like, and they would just count what they were saying. And I don't understand why. Because it's, it's a voluntary reporting system. And it's the only it's the only database that is government sanctioned for tracking adverse events for vaccines. Because remember, vaccines are liability-free products backed by government. So the only database that is capturing adverse events is this database. And it's underfunded. It's behind schedule, especially after the last two years. They don't have enough people to process everything. So they're only processing, you know, only the the numbers that hit the system have already been looked at and processed. There's still a backlog of cases that haven't been processed. And And then to even get restitutions through this process, there's a special court system that you have to navigate through. And it's hard. They've paid out what was it, like $4.6 billion in taxpayer funds to cover restitutions from vaccine injuries. And this is just normal vaccine. These are just your common vaccines, MMR, you know, 
the flu vaccines, all of these vaccines that have been around for you know decades, they paid out $4.6 billion to settle basically lawsuits um, uh, using taxpayer funds for these damages and deaths that have occurred. So when you look at all of that, starting when these new vaccines came out, the total in the last two years of the the database, um, the the official database numbers is higher than all vaccines combined over a 30 year span. So when people are like, oh, the vaccines are safe and effective. And I'm like, but for who? <laughs> you can't quantify how safe and effective they are, except repeating, oh, they're safe and effective. Oh, they're 95 percent safe and effective. But are they? Because that's the same rhetoric they use for all vaccines. You're telling me all vaccines are the same? This new mRNA technology that has never been used before in anything is absolutely safe and effective with only a year of research. And you're talking to not even 10 years of research. We have no clue what damages these things could cause 10 years down the road. We have no clue if they are altering DNA to where parents have a kid that whatever changes happen get passed down to the child. So maybe the, the say a mother gets, you know, gets vaccinated, then gets pregnant and then has a kid. You have no idea if that kid is sterile or not. You're not going to know until they get old enough to have kids. And then all of a sudden they're like, Oh, I can't have a kid. Oh, well you're sterile somehow. We have no idea the long-term ramifications of this mass um, uh, experiment. I mean, even Obama in one of his speeches told everyone that basically we have now clinically experimented on a billion people worldwide. And it's, it's baffling because you try to tell people that and they just have that idea of, oh no, it's safe and effective, safe and effective. And they have no idea how bad things could really be. And it's already, it's already too late. They have already done this and now it's just going through the motions on, you know, when is it going to, when is the ball going to drop? What are the real true damages um, that have, these things have caused? And we won't know. I mean, it could be 5, 10, 20 years till we know the true scope, you know, hindsight, you know, 2020 uh, uh, and all. Because there's, like I said, there's no, there's no proof. There's no other products. We can't, we can't even compare them to previous vaccines because traditional vaccines that we're not using those. And so, and again, a lot of people just don't understand that these things really are damaging people and they are not safe and effective for everyone, which is why they should never be forced. And they, you know, if, if people, you know, went through my book, I even talk about it. If you read through all of my book and everything that I lay out and you still want to get vaccinated with these hundred percent on board with your decision, I don't care. That is you. You can take whatever you want if you think, because again, your response, your health is your responsibility, but it should never be forced on others ever. Good ideas don't require force, right? Exactly. Exactly. And that's, and that's the scary thing is that we don't know really what this is going to cause. And my, the way I see everything playing out is that nothing is good, that we are going to go downhill and we're about to witness something, I would say, spectacular. And, and I don't mean in a good way. Like I always say, may we be blessed to live in interesting times because in my personal beliefs and like what God and things like that are, I 
I don't see that this is the only thing. I don't believe that we are only here and that's it. And then we're done. I believe there is a lot more. I think there's past lives. I did want to ask you about that, you know, because we do focus on the show quite a bit about Christianity and its entanglement with the state. But I, I know you don't call yourself a Christian, but I, I was kind of curious if you, if you didn't mind speaking to that. Tell us a little bit about what you, how you view God and that. Yeah. Kind of close to that. I mean, I, there's a lot of people that say, you know, that um, uh, Christ was an anarchist um, and things like that. So it's along those teachings. So I think it's similar to that. But I do believe that there is a truth to a lot of different religions. I also believe that there's a lot of, you know, bad stuff in a lot of these different religions. But I'm an anarcho-deist, really, if you want to put a name to it. I believe God wants us to be free. That is the the main point of it because I I truly see the idea of natural rights written into the fabric of reality. And there's a lot of examples I even talk about in the book of why I believe this and how it has shaped my worldview and how I view reality is built. So, but I, like I said, I, I don't think God or God wants us to be free. And if we're free, then we have to make our own decisions and not through force. So I literally, even my, my spiritual view, my religious view stands against tyranny in all regard. And I would rather have that dangerous freedom over, you know, peaceful slavery. Right. Well, you know, I'm going to read you a scripture. It's Galatians 5, 1. And speaking of, you said God wants us to be free, and I completely agree. And it said, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And I think that's fantastic. And I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. God wants us to be free, and and being a uh, being burdened with a yoke of slavery. You know, people we talked about slavery a little bit earlier. If people, I don't, I don't think they abolished slavery. I think they expanded nope. it to everybody. They did. They did expand it to everyone. And they, it, and again, if, if your true goal is to control, and that's what government is, you want to control everyone, not just one. And it complete control. But, I mean, even speaking on the religious aspect, I try to avoid throughout the entire book, except in my future chapter, I tried to avoid talking about religious undertones because – I have a hard enough time talking to people about straight facts and scientific facts and things like that about all of this stuff before adding in the idea of religion and stuff like that. But the problem is, is that there's what, 8 billion people on earth, 6 billion of them belong to some type of religion that believes in good and evil, heaven and hell. So you can't discount a religious undertone to what is going on just because you think it's some crazy crackpot idea. And I even, one of my examples in the future chapter uh, talks about the Balenciaga photo shoot that happened last year, that big scandal where there are like, you know, all the children and they had the stuffed animals and, and you know, BDSM gear and things like that. Well, I dove into that and started researching it. And there's a huge religious undertone connected to it, dealing with Satanism and LaVey's, um, Aleister Crowley, LaVey Satanism, like that whole group and those people and tied to it, including even Scientology and stuff like that, you can see that there is this religious undertone dealing with Satanism and demons and child sacrifice and, you know, all of this stuff. So I use that as one example, getting into the religious and I go into detail um, about it. And it's, it's crazy how that stuff is now 
in your face and public. I mean, look at what the Sam, the, the singer um, at the Oscars recently, I think it was the Oscars where he did the unholy and it was the whole um, uh, like saintness, like uh, dance group and stuff like that. There's, there's, this is now being more and more in your face and it's being pushed. Whether the upper echelon people that are doing it truly believe it, but there are definitely people that absolutely believe it and are pushing these evil things because that is the groups that they belong to. And it's all secretive. And again, it's, it's, it's crazy when you actually take the time to research it and look into it and without just straight discounting it because you don't believe it. Or you are like, oh, I, I just can't see that there's a bunch of secretive groups out there doing evil things. But there's been secretive evil groups in, in existence through all of time. I mean, there's ample evidence throughout history that these things have happened. I mean, again, we have, you know, full um, uh, Moloch. You know, it's a child sacrificing uh, demon, you know, a devil. And these things are, you know, Satan, things like that. You have people that worship these evil things in some regards. You can't discount that as being part of the overarching or at least influencing a lot of the things that we're seeing today. And a lot of people fail to grasp that those things are happening. And there are there is a base, like some people have said that, you know, it's a fight against for our souls. And I believe in some regard that is absolutely true, that there are people who truly believe and are using the occult magic and other stuff like that to try to absorb our souls. And to me, like my soul is my energy, my my consciousness, my pure consciousness. And, you know, and it's we're all tied to it because we're all electrical beings. We're all plasma. It's all about energy and frequencies and things like that. And uh, I, my idea of what God is, is the pure source of consciousness that we're all a part of. And to me, that is what God is. That's why God is everywhere and knows all things because it is the source of us. And I believe that these people do know it and to an extent, at least some, but they're doing evil things. You know, like, like I said, the like occult magic and stuff like that. And they're... They're focused on trying to, you know, turn us evil or at least get us to accept it in a way. And again, it's all about this manipulation and control and this whatever end game it really is. And I'm not fully sure what, you know, that is because like one of my things that I have never done was fully dive into researching, you know, the religious aspects of all the religions. I know enough to know things, but I, I'm not, you know, a theologian or, a, you know, I, have, I haven't devoted my life to it. So I don't know all the domain knowledge in it, but I am spiritual. I am religious. And I do see all of these connections playing out. And it's just crazy that a lot of people don't because they just don't look into it because most people just want to keep their head down and want to work. They want to survive and they don't have the time or it's too scary to, to contemplate that, Hey, these people could be doing this stuff and it could be, you know, a way to damage our souls or to turn us evil or, you know, things like that. Cause again, what do you do about it? People don't, you know, they don't want to think about it because they don't know what to do about it. They don't know how to handle something like that. And sometimes you can't, you just gotta, you know, sit back and try to protect yourself as best you can. And like I said, like may we be blessed and live in interesting times we're about to see something significant in human history. We're about to witness an evolution or de-evolution uh, of humanity 
in the spiritual realm and the physical realm. And it's really, it's going to be interesting the direction we go. And if more people don't wake up to it, then it's going to go the bad way. Uh, but the more people that do wake up a bit, uh, wake up to it and see it, once you can recognize it, once you know about it, you can then take steps to protect yourself from it. And if you can protect yourself, you can protect society as a whole or humanity as a whole because you've protected yourself. And it, it's just, it's interesting how, how that all, you know, once I started researching it, even just the Balenciaga thing, all of these connections just fell into place. And it's crazy that people don't see it. I am appreciating that seeing people wake up to the idea that we've been lied to this whole time. Um, I just hope they don't forget. And that's why I want to keep talking about this stuff. You know, and I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, Absolutely. Um, I've got some other podcast friends. I might, if, if you don't mind, I'll send them your email to get you, get you on their show. hundred percent. I, 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 I said, this is a passion for me. I love talking about this stuff. I could do it all the time. But why don't you go in and, uh, Tell us where anybody can find your book and go, folks go buy this book and you'll have it on hand. You'll have some, some, uh, some something to back up your stance against the government with this stuff. So, right. So my book is called COVID-19 short path to you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Welcome to the new age of tyranny that you'll own nothing and you'll be happy is actually one of the world economics forums predictions for 2030. It was in one of their videos that they were saying, hey, by 2030, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. And so that's the whole kind of the premise of the book of showing how that's going to be. My book is available through my my website, journalisticrevolution.com. Uh, if you go there, uh, you can order it directly from me. Um, I have signed copies available. And if you don't want to do that, you can go to Amazon. It's available on Amazon. If you have a Kindle Unlimited where it's that, that uh, subscription where you pay like 10 bucks a month for Kindle books. You can actually download it for free. Um, it's $10 for the ebook through Kindle. Right now it's only on Kindle, but in about two months, I'll be able to put it on the Nook. It's also available at Barnes & Noble, um, Walmart. I think it's going to be on Target soon. Uh, so really, it, it's it's available in a lot of different places now, So nice. which is surprising, but it is a philosophical book. It's not a medical book, even though there's a lot of medical information in there, but it's really around asking questions to the narrative that is being pushed and the direction we are going. Awesome. So again, at, at journalisticrevolution.com, all the links are are on there, um, or you can just search up my name or the book title in like Amazon and it'll pop up. Well, I appreciate you doing all the the hard, the heavy lifting and, and, and putting this book together for us to read. I, I do appreciate, you know, folks like you that do take the time to, to get this stuff out there because we need to talk about it. We need to keep talking about it so people don't forget and, and get, get out of that goldfish mentality. And let's just, let's keep talking about it as much as possible. All right, buddy, I'm going to let you go. And then, uh, I don't know, write another book and I'll get you back on the show. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on the Bad Roman Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcasts to never miss an episode. And while you're at it, if you like what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, it really helps people find us. 100% of donations are given to local charities in Memphis, Tennessee. To learn more about the Bad Roman Project and to find show notes, please visit thebadroman.com. Thank you.